G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. He says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear the rest of The Other Side as Pastor Jeff continues his message about Jesus reaching the people across the Sea of Galilee. One demon-possessed man whom Jesus healed told his story and brought many others to Christ to be healed and saved when Jesus crossed the sea again. Not only the people over here, but the people over there. And I'm going to feed them and I'm going to restore them. I have come for them. They are mine too. In God's mind, it's not this side and the other side. Both sides belong to Him. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And the conclusion of the other side. Jesus, in order to make sure the disciples understand what just happened, because they're a bit hard-headed, because, see, in their mind, they think you're not ever supposed to go to the other side. You're supposed to spend all your time on the right side. And they have a hard time grasping that Jesus loves the other side. When you have some time, stay with me right now, but when you have some time, You'll notice that four chapters later in Mark chapter 8, Jesus comes back to the other side, okay? So he's here, no crowd, one man, the demon-possessed man who cries out at the moon, howls at night, cuts himself with the rocks. Jesus transforms him, leaves him there, goes back over to his side, the disciples, they think, his side. A few months later, he comes back in Mark chapter 8. And this time, it's been a while, people hear that he's coming back, Now, it's true, it's probably true that every pig in town is hiding, but there are 4,000 people that show up to hear Jesus speak, 4,000. And Jesus says something interesting to the disciples in Mark chapter eight, verse two. He says, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. Now, stay there for a moment. Contrast that with Mark 6. In Mark 6, Jesus fed the 5,000. In Mark 8, he goes back to the other side to feed the 4,000. When he's in Mark 6, the very first day, the disciples say, Jesus, what's going on here? These people are hungry. These are our people. We're on the right side. Feed them. Have some compassion. And the Bible says Jesus fed them and they collected what? 12 baskets. Now, that's Mark 6. In Mark 8, he goes back to the other side where he left that demon-possessed man. This time, he's preaching to 4,000. First day, disciples say nothing. Second day, disciples say nothing. Third day, the disciples still say nothing about feeding the crowd. And here's why. Because in their minds, they're on the other side. They don't really care about the people over in the Decapolis. These are heathens. Let them feed themselves. Let's just preach and get out of here. But Jesus has compassion. He feeds them anyway. And guess what happens? They have leftovers again. Guess how many baskets? No. Seven. Why seven? There are seven nations living in the Decapolis. In verse 8 of Mark chapter 8, the people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. What's the message? Jesus is saying, I've got good news. 
When he fed the 5,000, I have come to redeem and restore the 12 tribes of Israel, God's people. I have compassion. They are far from God. I'm bringing them near. I've not forgotten them. And the good news is I've also come for the people over there. Not only the people over here, but the people over there. And I'm going to feed them and I'm going to restore them. I have come for them. They are mine too. In God's mind, it's not this side and the other side. Both sides belong to him. And Jesus is trying to get through to these thick-headed disciples. The same thing he tries to get through to you and me today. The gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ is good news for everybody, even the people on the other side. Let this ruminate in you just for a moment. Okay, first time Jesus goes to the other side, how many people welcome him? One. One dude. And he's a mess. And the rest of the town come down to the shoreline and say, please go back to your side. Thanks, but no thanks. Second time Jesus returns to the region of the Decapolis, Listen to what happens. This is in Matthew 15, Matthew's account. I'm in verse 30. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, the lame walking, and the blind seen, and they praised the God of Israel. Wow. First time Jesus goes to the other side, nobody home except this pathetic, demon-tormented wretch, and everybody begs Jesus to leave. The second time he shows up, It's one of the most dramatic responses to his arrival in all the New Testament. The question is, what happened? What changed? Was it a mass marketing campaign by the disciples before Jesus arrived? Did did Jesus send out flyers and tracts that he was coming back to the other side? Did he do a one-on-one with Fox News? What happened, folks? One man told his story. One man and 4,000 show up. When I was playing college basketball, uh, it was the regional finals my sophomore year. And my coach called a timeout. It was a very tight game against Bryan College up in Dayton, Tennessee. And they were ranked in the top 15 in the country. Coach really wanted to win this game. We came over. There was about two minutes left. And he got us all together. And he said, okay, guys, we got about two minutes left. It's very important that, that we pass until we find a good shot. We've got to take advantage of every offensive opportunity. He said, okay, break. And as we were breaking, I went to go and he pulled my arm. And I said, yep. He said, shoot the ball every time you get it. (laughs) He said, I'm turning you loose, Vines. Man, when you hear a coach say that, now it is, he was gutless. He should have told the whole team that because everybody started calling me Kobe. And uh, that's another story. (laughs) He said, son, I'm going to turn you loose. I'm going to turn you loose. There is a way, Jesus says, that even the Decapolis can be reached that the disciples had never thought of. A way that Jesus believed was better than a healing spree. One day our rabbi, Jesus, said good news is coming to the God-forsaking, pig-eating, devil-worshipping, Roman-infested other side. And he looked to one guy and said, and you, demon boy, tomb-dweller, chain-breaker, I'm putting you in the game, and I'm just going to turn you loose. Just keep telling your story and keep on telling your story. This is Today with Jeff Vines. From the book of Mark, Pastor Jeff is sharing about how Jesus saved one man on the other side, and his story brought many more out to see Jesus. Let's continue. For me, this prompts three important questions, and they're quick, and I want you to ask yourself these three simple questions, okay? Number one, do you even have a story to tell? Has Jesus made such a transformation in your life that your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, and everybody knows? 
Do you have a story? This man lived in tombs. People weren't strong enough to subdue him. He would cry out at the moon and cut himself. Can you imagine seeing him the next day after Jesus had healed him? And now his face is straight. He's calm. He's happy. He's free. Can you imagine people saying, dude, what happened to you? What would he say? I'll tell you what happened to me. Jesus happened to me. This is it. This is it. Let me just have one of those real honest transparent, authentic moments with you. If there's one thing I've learned in the last 27 plus years of ministry now, and it's growing every year, is that you cannot manipulate or coerce people. Because you hear a message like this, and the tendency is, great, another sermon to feel guilt. I don't even know how to tell my story, and I don't even know if I have one. The reason is, is because... Pastors and preachers can't manipulate and coerce you into doing something. We only do something when we've had this internal transformation and it becomes a natural byproduct of something else. My job as a preacher is to bring Jesus to you in such a way that I would hope that you would want to be with him. And as you pursue him and you're with him, he's actually the one that will change your heart, not me. So as I get older, I'm learning more and more. My job, just bring Jesus to you. Just, just bring Jesus to you. My job is not to convert any of you. My job is not to make you something different than you are. My job is to give you Jesus. And if I can give you Jesus and you say, man, I want to pursue that guy, then Jesus will do all the work and the byproduct of your life will be authenticity and generosity and telling your story. But if I tell you to tell a story and you don't have one, you just feel guilty. And the only way you're going to get a story is by spending time with him. And you go to him and you say, I want to know you in the way you seek to be known. When you have those services on Easter, when all those people get baptized, do you realize what you're saying in your baptism? You're saying, I'm giving Jesus permission to change me from the inside out. I'm saying, Jesus, please happen to me. And when Jesus happens to you, you'll have a story to tell. You're saying, Jesus, I give you permission to change me from the inside out. Please happen to me. Some of you in this room have great stories to tell. So many great stories. We need to hear the stories. The first question is, though, everybody has to ask. Everybody, Do you understand? Every single one of you should have something, a story to tell that God either did a long time ago or that he's continually doing in your life now. If God's mercies are new every day, so is his writing, his story on your life. If you're spending time with Jesus, there's something he's doing at every moment of every day, of every season of life, and you've got a story that's just natural. You just tell, here's what God is doing in my life. Jesus knows the best way to go to the other side and change it. It's not through some spiritual tract. Just tell people your story and what Jesus is doing in your life. Do you have one? And if you don't, it's because maybe there's no pursuit of Jesus in your life. There's no time you're spending with him. And if you don't spend time with him, how can he transform you? How can he change you? I can tell you this, I've been married 20 some years and my wife changes me every day. I'm being transformed. You spend time. The second question is, where is your other side? Is it your workplace, those demon-possessed, bad language, dropping, porn-addicted, irreligious people? Your neighborhood, your school, your family? Where's your other side? Where is your circle of influence? And are you telling your story? 
Jesus has the oddest strategy for how he plans on infiltrating and reaching the other side. He transforms us, and then even though we're tempted to join a holy huddle and to hide, he keeps prodding us out of the holy huddle, even though the holy huddle is good. Discipleship has to happen somewhere. But he keeps prodding us out and saying, I'm going to turn you loose, son. I'm going to turn you loose. Just tell your story. He just needs one fired up, spirit-filled, transformed life that will tell his or her story. Do you have a story? Where is my other side? And finally, am I all in for the other side? There's always going to be a temptation in your life to avoid this because it's hard. Going over to the Decapolis is hard. Meaning a demon-possessed person, that's hard. And Jesus, no, you're always going to be tempted to avoid it or somehow to think you're better than the other side. But he reminds us in Luke 18 that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Will you be all in? Would everybody right here, would everyone make the commitment? And you, you, you would say, I am going to tell my story in my circles of influence. Wherever God sends me, I'm going to tell what Jesus is doing. Yes, it might be about your conversion when you first met him, but it also might be about what Jesus is doing right now in your life through your pain. It might be what he's doing right now in your life through your family, through the tragedies of your life, through the challenges of your life. That's why if we're only a people that are happy when everything's going well, we have no story to tell. We're supposed to have joy that is central. Sorrow is only supposed to be peripheral. Because no matter what's going on in our lives, we know Jesus, his power is upon us and he's always working in us and through us. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. God does his best work when you're in pain. He reveals himself greatest when you're in pain. You will never know Jesus the way he seeks to be known until you're in pain. Because only then will you cry out, call out, and you'll begin to experience who he really is. Not in theory, but in practice. Do you have a story? Are you telling your story? Are you all in with your story? Imagine, just imagine, this is the end now. Imagine these guys, when they returned and saw these huge crowds. Can you imagine? One guy greets him the first time. Second time, 4,000 people ready to hear a sermon. And they're greeted again by this demon-possessed dude, only this time he's not demon-possessed, this crazy-eyed dude. He's been set free. I can just see him down on the shore. We've been waiting. Heard you were coming. Few people want to see you. 4,000. Come to Jesus. And I can imagine Jesus putting his hand on this kid and saying, ah, son, last time I came here, they begged me to leave. But now these people are wide open to the kingdom because of you. Thousands of people have come to hear the good news. What happened? And that former demon-possessed guy says, with a great look of determination, a definitive resolve, he says, I did it. I just kept telling people what Jesus did for me, how he transformed me and freed me. Nothing or no one could stop me. And in the words of Jason McElwain, Jesus, I was hotter than a pistol. Because the more you tell your story, the hotter you get. And the more you tell it, the more your faith grows. And that's why Jesus said, as his very last words, go into all the world. Do what? Go into all the world, preach the gospel, teach them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And he said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Now, please stay with me. When you are baptized, that is the point in my understanding that you give Jesus the permission to write a new story into your life.
The whole analogy is that you are dying to your old way and being resurrected to a new. Now, salvation comes through faith alone. I understand. But when you step into the waters of baptism, here's what you're saying. And Paul was clear about this in Romans 6. You're saying, okay, Jesus, I know I'm saved by grace through faith. I get it. I am now, I am giving you total and full permission to write a new story into my life. I am dying to the old me and I'm being raised to the new me. And I'm saying to you, Jesus, I want you to turn me loose. Write a story into my life that I can tell the world. However you decide to write it, whatever experiences you decide to bring, I hereby declare before you and before my friends and before the world that I have died to my old way where it's all about me and egocentrism to theocentrism. It is all about God. It is all about you. Now, God, write your story on my life. Write your story. And as you write my story, I'll give the commitment. And it's a covenant you make with God. As you write the story, a new life into my life, I will go and I will speak and I will go to the other side and I will go to this side because all sides are your sides. And so this weekend, I'm going to give you an opportunity to walk up here and to be baptized. Anybody in the room that hasn't been, it's time now. No more putting it off. It's time because you're giving Jesus the permission to write a new story into your life. If there's anybody here that says, I want to write a new story, I want him to write a new story in my life that you would come and we would receive you. Are you ready? All right, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name for what is about to happen. I pray that there's even one person, even people listening online who may need instruction, I pray that they would make a decision for you now. I pray that all of us would say, I'm going to tell my story at work, in my neighborhood. I'm go- I, gotta- I know you're doing amazing things in my life. I'm going to tell my story. That they would get the gumption and the intestinal fortitude empowered by the spirit and the wisdom of the spirit to go and tell their story. And for those who have not yet been baptized and obeyed you in a most fundamental command and giving you permission, God, write your new story and new life into me, that they would come They would come now, that they would recognize that the doubt that they have does not come from the spirit, but comes from the evil one. The one who does not like such a covenant and commitment. I pray that you'd overwhelm them with your love, with your kindness, with your conviction that today is the day. I pray for those who might have come from a tradition where maybe they were baptized as babies. I pray that somehow through the teaching of scripture, Although no one is challenging their salvation, we are simply saying that in the book of Acts it is a decision made as an adult. When you are at the age of accountability, that you're able to know you're a sinner and you're able to come forward and say, Jesus, write a new life into mine. Something that cannot be done for us by our mom or dad, but something that we must do ourselves. And I pray for the spirit to move across all our campuses this very weekend and that new lives would begin, new stories would be written and we would go into this entire valley with the good news of the gospel and thousands would come because one at a time told the story of transformation. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This is 
today with Jeff Vines. And that's the end of The Other Side. Please join us next time for a brand new message from Pastor Jeff. If you'd like to hear more now, head to vision.org.au and search for Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.